Our series is called Pearls. It's on wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to choose wisely. The ability to live closer to the truth so that you can choose wisely. This morning we're talking about the way that anger can color the story, can warp the story. We don't tell the whole story to ourselves. Anger is an important you know, light on the dashboard. Something is wrong. But sometimes anger distorts our view of reality, and we don't tell ourselves the whole story, and so we don't choose wisely. The story that we tell ourselves about what happened matters in terms of how close we're living to reality. And so it's important to pay attention to anger, but it's also important to recognize that there's always a bigger story. There's a bigger story that frames anger. And so we're going to be looking at the way that that the story of grace helps us deal more constructively with our anger so that we can live closer to the truth. This morning, I want to ask you, Are you simmering? Are you simmering a little bit? Are you grumbling? Are you saying things under your breath that you don't want anybody to hear? Are you in the closet so that nobody can hear, right? Did anybody in the rest of my house hear hear what I just said, what just came out of my mouth? Are Are you grumbling under your breath? Are you dealing well with your anger? Where do we start with that? Well, maybe we need to start with the advice probably your grandmother gave you. Count to ten. From the Word of God, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Hear God's Word this morning. Know this, my beloved. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, And slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. May God bless us through this, his holy word. God, help us this morning to see what we don't want to see so that we can be what we're called to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Every now and then I hear someone say, uh, I ask them, how you doing? And 
I hear him say, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. And sometimes that comes across as a little trite. But other times that comes across as very genuine, a little sincere. Like they really meant it. Like there's a, there's a story there. There's a bigger story that they're living in, a story of grace. You know, every day we're dealing with opportunities for anger. Anger is a sign that things aren't right. And anger is put into us in order to set things right. But a lot of times we, we really settle for being right than setting right, don't we? A lot of times we'd rather just be right, right? Be angry, stay angry, and be right than to let anger do what it's supposed to do. It's like a check engine light. It says something's wrong. Something needs to be put right. So how do we put things right, choose to put things right, and not just settle for being right? Well, the advice this morning is the foxtrot. Quick, slow, slow, right? Quick, slow, slow. I don't know if that's how you do the foxtrot. That's like my grandparents' dance. I don't know, but, but it's like a dance. Or maybe it's the Texas two-step, two right, or Texas three-step this morning. Quick, slow, slow. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Let's look at those three, those three steps. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. First, quick to listen. If you're quick, quick to listen, a lot of times that, that's because you're, you're tapping into a resource of that, that story of grace, that bigger story of grace. Not just, not just your anger. You recognize something's made you angry. But you've tapped into that bigger story of grace. And you're quick to listen. Instead of what? Instead of spontaneously combusting, right? <laughs> right? Bursting into flame on your own because your emotions just tell you, I've got to be defensive, right? Someone who's quick to listen is tapping in. They're, they're, they're living the story of grace rather than believing whatever their own self-reproach from the accusation is telling them, right? That's... That's what's being said here. And in verse 21, it says this. Look at this. I love this. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with, with meekness. Receive with meekness. Not arrogance. Not like, hey, I've got it all figured out. But meekness, controlled strength, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then verse 25. Just pair that up with verse 25 real quick. The law of liberty, looking into the law of liberty, right? Receive with meekness the word. What word? The law. The word, the law. The law of what? The law of liberty. Romans chapter 8 says this. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation, right? When, when you're... When you're tempted to spontaneously combust, you're upset, somebody's accused you of something, right? When you're tempted to just sort of spontaneously combust, you see some injustice out there and you think, I'm better than all that, you know, I'm, I need to, I'm self-righteous. I'm going to squash this. When you're tempted to look into the perfect law, what is that law? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Why? Because... We as Christians have the law, and we, we, we are the ones who perfect it. 
because we're doing better than other people? No, because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hear that again. Why is there no condemnation? Why can we be at ease and not spontaneously combust when, when our check engine light of anger comes on because of some injustice or some accusation? Because life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now imagine, what, let, let's, let's imagine what this might look like. Imagine you're a fly on the wall and you're hearing uh, siblings arguing with each other or co-workers or spouses. And one of them says, I can't believe you did that. I mean, you did it and I'm really upset with you and I can't believe you did that. Now imagine, what, what's our normal reaction? Well, you, right, that, that's the normal reaction, right? Well, you did that. Or we say, I didn't do it. Or we say, well, the reason why I was justified in doing, that's our normal reaction. But what if you, what if you heard something like this? Wouldn't this blow your mind? What if you heard someone say, I can't believe you did that. You know, you did it again, and you've done it before. And what if they said this? What if you heard them say this, the response? You know, I think you're probably right. I was wrong to do that. How often have you heard that? I always think of this story. I've, I've probably, I, I think I've told this story before uh, here. And, and it, it's, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because I, I've never been able to track it down. But it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? You know, like your favorite story. I can't find the source of it. But it's the story of this, the head of this, um, this Polish underground during World War II who were getting uh, all kinds of information out to the Allied forces about the movement of the German, the Nazi forces. And this guy was brought in and he was made to feel shame or, or they were trying to break him so that they could find out who that he was belonging to, what network he was a part of. And they, they had found out all kinds of information about him before they brought him in so that they could isolate him and accuse him, credibly accuse him, right? So that he would spontaneously combust, so that he would feel a sense of, of shame and defensiveness. And I, I love this story. And I, and it's probably 30 years ago that I read this story. And I remember, I'll never forget the, the response that he gave. He looked at them and he said, you don't know the half of it. Now that's somebody who's living, who's remembering, who's living the story of grace. Framing. The anger that greets us daily. Someone who can say, you know, I think you're probably right. In that moment of accusation, that was so tough. You know, those words, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Those are really difficult words. I mean, they just, they don't want to come out. You know, it's like, oh, like. But when we're living there, when we're living in that place, When the check engine light comes on and we're living in that place of grace, that bigger story, we can live closer to reality that, yeah, this is part. I'm dealing with human nature, starting with my own every day. Or when we're looking at, at some injustice, we can see that, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's part of, I'm part of that same kind of condition. And to respond to it in a way that can 
this is a condition that's common to all of us. But instead, to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So that's, that's the first thing. Be, be quick to listen. You know, it's a willingness to listen because whatever is being, we're being accused of or whatever we're seeing, there's a bigger story that helps us live closer to the truth. But second, it's, it's to be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Because that, that story of grace, the bigger story of grace, allows us not to be caught on fire by other people, right? Sometimes people, their anger wants to light you on fire, right? Their emotions try to draw you in or try to get a reaction out of you. And, and this is sort of a daily occurrence, isn't it? Almost. When somebody tries to light you on fire, how do you stay incombustible, right? How do you stay incombustible? Again, is to live in a place of grace. Is to be reminded, to remember who you really are. Look, look at verse 23. We kind of skipped over that part of it. And it says, For if anyone's a hearer of the word but not a doer, is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, forgets but a doer who, act, who acts he will be blessed in his doing i love that that image of of seeing yourself in a mirror and remembering who you really are i mean who are we we're we're dealing every day with human nature <laughs> starting with ourselves do you remember that i have to remember that I'm dealing with some frustration. When you're dealing with some frustration, when you're recognizing, oh, this is this is human nature, am I going to deal differently? Am I going to deal better with human nature? Because I remember who I really am. Broken but redeemed. That image in the mirror. It's a broken image. It's 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 a reflection of someone made in the image and nature of God but somebody who has been broken and so our condition is common to us and yet we can remember we're redeemed that the image the original intent the original humanity the original human nature that God intended is being rebuilt can we remember that not only that we were made in the image but that we are a broken image and that we are being Put back together. When we can remember that. And we can deal better with the human nature. Because we can, again, we can see that when someone is trying to light us on fire, we know. We know. We remember who we really are. And we have the freedom to choose a different response. I hope you've heard of a guy named Viktor Frankl who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Great book. Uh, again, another illustration from that period of time when you strip away all of the, you know, sort of the frills of human nature and you see it in its raw, you know, reality. World War II, right? You can see the heights and depths of human nature. And here is Viktor Frankl who 
after being in this concentration camp and facing just the worst indignities, he writes this book called A Man's Search for Meaning. And, and in it, he wrote this quote that just sat me back, which I thought was just so incredibly powerful because he, what he's experiencing is this, in, this incredible injustice and yet finding freedom in the moment. This is what he says. This is a quote from that book. He says, everything can be taken from a person. Everything can be taken from a person. But one thing, the last of human freedom. And what is that? To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. To choose one's attitude. To choose one's own way. The story of grace can help us see who we really are with respect to God's original intent, the brokenness of us, and yet by grace being put back together. That story helps us choose. Choose to deal with human nature better. Better. Even in the midst of someone trying to light you on fire, you can stay incombustible. I love that story about the guy who's trying to save a scorpion who's on a leash. You know, he's trying to drag him, and his friend says, "You know, I, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing. I mean, that that that, that little creature there is going to sting me." And he said, "Well, his nature to defend himself does not impede upon my nature to help." What's your nature? When someone's trying to light you on fire, when you begin to see your own humanity in its raw form, what is the story that you're really believing? What is the story that you're really living? Those moments are opportunities to see where are you really living? What story are you really believing? It's an opportunity to see how close reality are you li really living people who are receiving that word implanted that word of grace they're quick to listen they're slow to speak and out of practice out of doing it and doing it they become slow to anger it doesn't mean they don't get angry it means they become slow to anger so that instead of just seeking to be right they have the perspective to put right. Because they recognize that human nature every day is going to grieve us. Human nature every day, starting with us, is something we have to contend against. Human nature every day is an opportunity to see where we are, where we're living, and to respond better. But to recognize that anger is an important element of our nature. It is a check engine light if something is wrong. But are we going to have the bandwidth or the wherewithal or the perspective to respond well to it rather than just to react to it? Are we going to have the perspective to let anger help us have the motivation to put things right and not just to be right? It's to take the self 
have self-righteousness. Let that that be the beginning of speaking. Know that every person is quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. To be right and to, to put things right, you, you don't come across as self-righteous. You come across as someone who recognizes that in this situation, we're dealing with our human nature. Not just his human nature or her human nature. But it's like what Jesus is talking about. If you see a speck in someone else's eye and you recognize that you've got a log in yours first, have you dealt with the log? If you have dealt with the log, have you recognized that this is a common condition and the symptom that you're having is a condition we all have? Now I can approach you in a way that you're going to be able to receive. Do we want to be right? Or do we want to just put right? You know, a couple of years when when the world caught on fire, when our... Uh, our country caught on fire in conflict. There was uh, a situation that, that you all should have been, should be able to remember. It's that situation of, uh, of a police officer off duty, Amber uh, Geiger, walking in to what she thought was her apartment, but she was one floor below. So it was exactly where she would have been on her floor, but she walked into somebody else's apartment thinking it was her apartment. And the apartment was... Uh, belonged to Botham Jean was his name, Botham Jean. And she saw him in what she thought was her apartment, and she shot him, and he died. There was a big uh, uproar about this in, in the midst of, of the racial tension that we were experiencing. And um, it, that was really coming to a head at that time. And, um, and so you've, you've heard about that story. It doesn't take much to remember that story. You've heard about Amber and you've heard about the man who died. And you've heard about the reaction and, and all of the, the ways that, that that divided us. That was an example of our division. But have you heard about Brant? Brant Jean, the brother of Botham? Have you heard about him? Probably not. Because this isn't the kind of story that we often hear in the news media. Brant Jean, sometime later during the trial of Amber, who, shot, who who's the one who shot his brother, Brant, the brother of Botham. So here's Brant in the courtroom, and here's Amber being tried for the shooting of Brant's brother, his older brother. And in the midst of this, you can see this woman's sorrow and despair. You can see that, that she genuinely um, is genuinely grieved over her actions and over her, her own, seeing her own, even her own prejudice as, as probably contributing to her reaction that day. And Brant walks across the courtroom and embraces her. For a minute, in the middle of the trial, and he comforts her. This is the woman who shot his brother. He brings a word of comfort to her. This is what he said. He said, I just want to lead by example and be my own person. When everyone asked him, why did you do this? You know, what was all this about? Is this some kind of political statement? He said, I just, I just want to lead by example. 
and be my own person. Do you see someone who is self-possessed, someone who can look at himself in the mirror and remember who he is? Do you see that we're all dealing with this brokenness? And here's a man able to look into the face of someone who brought such sorrow to his family and recognize, hey, this is, this is the condition we're dealing with. How can I deal with it in a way that's going to help us deal with it better? Powerful. You see, this is the theme of James. The whole book of James is really about, hey, you're here for a short while, and we're broken people. How are we going to do this better? How are we going to deal with our humanity? The fact that death has come into the world. The fact that brokenness. I mean, this is, you know, when, when you hear the, when you read back through the first part of James and you see, you know, he's sort of coming down on the rich. You know, he's saying, look, the, the, the rich just sort of distorts your view of things. Just the way anger distorts your view of things. How are we going to deal with the fact that we are mortal? How are we going to deal well with that fact? And how are we going to deal with the fact that we're broken? To deal with humanity, our humanity, better. James, you know, you go back to the very beginning and he introduces himself. And sometimes you sort of pass over that and think, well, that's, that's not much, that, that's not very interesting or very significant. He says, uh, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion greeting. Now, given what we've just learned about being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Just think about the audience that James is writing to. Whereas Paul is writing to one particular church with a set of issues, James, the brother of Jesus, and this is a consensus across scholarship, left to right scholarship. This has to be James, the brother of Jesus. The one who at one point sort of doubted who Jesus was and then even even, even died bearing witness to the fact of who he really was. James, writing to the 12 tribes, you know, re- this represents, like, this is the whole of, of this movement, this grace movement. The churches all throughout the Hellenistic and Greek pagan dog-eat-dog kind of world. And he's saying, what is it that we need to do We need to live what we're saying we believe. We need to live it because people need to see what we're calling them to be. They need to see what we're calling them to do. You know, the other day I went into the kitchen and I turned on a little electric kettle. I was going to make some some tea and uh, within about 10 seconds it, it was boiling. I thought, oh my goodness. That's amazing. And I realized, oh, Beth had just been in there and just had it on there, so it was already ready, you know. And uh, I think some of us are living right there, just at a low boil. And one little flip of the switch will make us start to boil over. Are you there? Are you there? Or are you greeting the day greeting the issues of the day and greeting the humanity, your own and others around you, with this sense of better than I deserve. Well, how do you move from (laughs) the slow simmer to 
Maybe we need to become wiser through the story of grace. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the ways that you are equipping us as a church to see what we don't want to see about ourselves, but we can remember who we really are and who you've called us to be. God, throughout these months, when we think about the fact that we have a World Mission Conference on the horizon, when we think about a story like, like Grant Jean's, when we recognize that you've called us to that pure religion, that pure faith of helping people who cannot help us, who cannot do anything for us, represented in this, this text by widows and orphans. Lord, help us to deal rightly with our enemies so we may be outward focused, so that we're not just interested in every difficult situation as being righteous, but letting our anger Especially towards those who can do nothing for us. For we pray in Jesus' name.